Okay, so um, I'm very pleased to be here doing a retreat for you. I'm going to be speaking to you about some of my favorite themes, um, themes that I hope are going to be useful for you as a retreat. So before anything else, what is this retreat going to be about? A few words about myself, because um, it's always distracting if you don't know anything about the guy who's talking to you. Um, and then tonight I'm going to try and give a kind of introductory thing, setting the theme for the whole few days. So this retreat is going to be, um, the title of the whole retreat is The Priest is a Man of Hope. And the kind of subtitle, Forming Ourselves for the Task of the New Evangelization. So this is our era, the era of the new evangelization. This is what's going to characterize your entire priesthood. You need to form yourself to be a certain type of priest for that task. And on one level, you need to form yourself practically in terms of abilities, but in a retreat context, spiritually, you need to be a certain kind of man that's different from the kind of man that would have been a good priest a hundred years ago. So I'm going to say some introductory words tonight about the new evangelization as a context in terms of getting ourselves into a certain mindset. Then we're going to have three days on faith, hope and charity and a final day on celibacy as a way of kind of integrating those together in a different way. <coughs> so that's kind of where this is going. So that means this is a retreat that is, um, you know, some retreats are very meandering, broad ranging. This is going to be quite focused, but I'm hoping a focus that's got some big themes, you know, faith, hope, charity, that in your reflections you can build a lot of stuff around in terms of thinking, what do I need to be working on in myself, um, reflecting on in myself for this goal? Okay, then briefly, who am I? Why is there this funny, funny British accent talking to you? Um, so um, my mom's from Illinois, my dad's from Britain. They met at Purdue University. Uh, all my life they've lived in England. But because of that, I'm an American citizen, so we used to spend as a family all our summers over here. Um, but when I was doing my doctorate nearly 20 years ago, I was living at the Casa Santa Maria of the, of the NAC in Rome. Um, and that's how Father Chris Tita knows me, so obviously he's desperate enough for speakers that um, he asked me. Um, but one of the other priests we were with, Father Steve Bissot, was appointed to the Josephinum Seminary as rector three years ago. That's pontifical, which means they recruit fairly widely. And he got my bishop to release me, and that's why I'm over here. So that's kind of just a little introducing why I'm here. So I'm a diocesan priest. I've been a pastor for 14 years. Um, 13 years doing part-time seminary teaching in moral theology, which is my field. And now at the Josephinum, I teach moral theology, um, sexual morality, um, bioethics, general moral theology. Um, and I would see myself as a, a disciple of Pinker's, so the whole kind of Thomistic re renewal of moral theology in that way. Okay, so that's just a little introduction. Who am I speaking to you? 
So I'm going to make five categories, five main points in terms of what I'm going to be speaking to you about tonight. And what I want to talk about tonight really is a kind of as a, a setting the scene in terms of thinking about the new evangelization in general. What is this moment of time we're living in that's going to be your priesthood? So that when the next few days I'm th talking about what kind of priest you need to be in that context. We've kind of had a moment here tonight introducing what is our, our context. So first question, the state of the world. Um, I was expecting there to be a projector here tonight rather than my handwriting. I can only apologize. Um, but anyway, so I'm going to talk about the state of the world, the new evangelization as a purpose, our moment in history, and why the parish is the primary focus for the new evangelization, and therefore you as future pastors are really at the coalface, at the cutting edge of where the new evangelization needs to be. So the first thing, what is the state of the world? What is our moment in history? Well, we're living in the midst of what is on one level, a mass apostasy from the church, from the faith in the West. And at the same time, in the church, this call for a new evangelization. And as I would see it, there are two possible trajectories, two possible outcomes where that might be heading. Either it's the, a, the great apostasy described in the book of Revelation before the second coming, and what we're living through is a final moment of travail before the Lord returns again, or the new evangelization is going to be the start of a whole new dawn. It's going to be a new Christendom, a new thing being built. So the second coming, well, I'm sure you, like I, have got lots of friends who would have the various hobby horses while they'll tell you that it, it's, going, it's going to be tomorrow. Someone was telling me on the phone just the other day. Um, He's got a particular revelation he's a devotee of. Um, and because the Pope's going to go to Rome, and we've just had a synod, and there's an asteroid predicted for the fall, um, he was saying, don't make any plans for 2023. <laughs> um, but more seriously, there are grounds for thinking that this could be um, the prelude to the second coming. So the book of Revelation does talk about a great apostasy. Um, the, t the number of churches, uh, the number of nations that have fallen from the Lord in the last century is huge. The places that were the seedbed of Christianity that now are not. Others would point to um, the fact that the book of Revelation says the dragon swept a third of the stars from the sky. And we point that since the council, a third of priests have left the active ministry. Um, if you go to Europe, so in England, um, you know, the, 
the faith in any form is a really rare thing. So when I go to the supermarket, dressed as a priest, um, people won't recognize me as a priest. They will see this as some kind of uniform and they'll think I know where the baked beans are. And the, so this happens to me regularly in a supermarket in the UK. Other priests I know have the same thing. What a priest is, is so unknown because Christ is so unknown. Um, Europe's a spiritual wasteland now, and it was, you know, for so long, that was Christendom. But if we're heading to a prelude to the Lord coming again, then it will be our task in that to have a kind of new evangelization that will be a kind of last battle, a final gathering in of as many as we can, a last harvest before he comes. That that's what the new evangelization would be if this is heading towards the second coming. The alternative that I think is, I think is actually what I see more signs of is the beginning of a new dawn, the beginning of a new Christendom. But the point I want to make to you tonight is that whether we're heading towards a new evangelization, gathering a remnant in before the last coming, second coming, or whether we're laying the foundation of what's going to be a new dawn and a new Christendom, the 50 years of your priesthood, on the ground it's going to look the same either way. It's going to be tough, numbers are going to be kind of smaller than they were 50 years ago. Um, you've got to kind of be ready either way. But, as I'm going to be talking about more tomorrow, there's got to be a hope in you with either outcome. Um, okay, so that's a word about, in a sense, the state of the world. Second, briefly, just to make the obvious point, that evangelization is our purpose. So Paul VI in Evangelium Nunciandi says, the church exists in order to evangelize. Pope Francis and Evangelii Gaudium says, missionary outreach is paradigmatic of all of the church's activity. So everything we're doing in the church, the model of it is evangelization. In the seminary context, so I guess you're all aware as we're discussing the Josephinum as well, that we don't have a a PPF now, we don't have a program of priestly formation. The sixth draft edition that is pretty certain not to be our final one, but anyway, it's close as we've got at the moment, but it makes this point um, that will in some form be in the final version. It is necessary that all priests have the heart of missionaries. The church is truest to her identity when she is an evangelizing church. This is because the very nature of the church is missionary. So that's the nation of the church in general. 
but especially in our moment of history, that we're not in a moment of history and not in a moment of American history where maintenance as our model is going to cut it. We don't exist as pastors just to manage decline. We exist to be missionary. We exist to be evangelizing. That is our purpose. Okay, I want to outline to you a little hobby horse of mine, or a, a pet theory of my own, comparing the new evangelization and the old evangelization. And I want to make an argument to you that America is uniquely important in this context, which means your role isn't just for here, but it's going to have a consequence rippling across the whole world. So. If the new evangelization isn't a last desperate gathering in of the remnant before the second coming, if it is about a new dawn, then it's heading towards a reintegration of the church and culture, a new Christendom in some form. So it'd be a Christendom that wasn't like the old one, wouldn't be kings and castles, but somehow what characterizes modern life of democracy and industry and finance somehow integrated with the gospel. And where in all the world is there a place most suited to integrate the old of the faith and the new of modernity? Well, it's America. So the old Christendom had the tight confessional state with the kind of the king and his serfs with an, a clear obedience structure and everything all tightly structured all clearly worked out well my suggestion to you is that uh, what you might call a Vatican II Christendom would somehow have to incarnate the faith and culture very differently so liberty a big American thing, also a big Vatican II thing. You know, whether you're a critic of the Second Vatican Council or a devotee, religious liberty is one of the issues there that isn't fully worked out in terms of how that gets implemented in a culture. But that's what a Vatican II Christendom would somehow need to achieve. Religious liberty incarnate in a Christian culture. But that wasn't the false vision of freedom that is so common in America and the West in general. There'd be democracy with personal dignity seen in a way that it wasn't always recognized in the old Christendom. But a personal dignity that wasn't the false individualism around us. And to repeat, there'd be finance, there'd be capitalism, there'd be industry, but with all of those serving the dignity of the human person, not the person being the slave of the market. If 
there was going to be a modern incarnation of culture and gospel. It wasn't a return to the old Christendom, but a new one. And which nation is positioned to be the testbed for such a modernity? Which nation is itself struggling to work that out? But if you can work it out here, you'd then be the model for everywhere else. Well, it's America. So you're working it out here is going to have an effect on the whole world. Okay, let's think slightly differently um, in terms of indications that this might be the moment of a glorious new evangelization. Well, let's think back to the uh, old evangelization, the, the first launching of the gospel into the world. When the gospel was spread in the then known world, Providence, you know, as commentators often note, Providence had established certain things to make that possible. That there was a common language everywhere, namely Latin. Now, not everybody knew Latin, but it was enough to be the common language of a vast range of different peoples. There was a piece, the, the Pax Romana, that enabled the spread of ideas across a vast area. And there was a center that everybody looked to Rome. Some hated it, some loved it, but everybody looked to it. Well, today, for a new evangelization, we also have a common language, your language, English. In many ways, with that also a shared culture across the world. And a culture that's already working, or even struggling, but working to try and integrate the best of the old and the new. And everybody looks to America. Whether they love you or whether they hate you, everybody looks to you. And if you can get it right here, everybody will have been looking at you, do it right. And other nations in the world, other cultures, just don't seem to me to be a credible launching pad for a successful new evangelization, if that's the task the popes are calling us to. So you could look to somewhere like Poland and say, well, there's a, a country that's still Catholic. But the world doesn't look to Poland. You could say China, there's a big culture. But the church is still so small in China that it's hard to see how that really could be the launching pad. Whereas in America, you know, I know here lots of American Catholics get demoralized and talk about falling numbers, but it's nothing like elsewhere. Uh, the, the battle for the faith is real here. The number of young men in seminaries here coming from so many strong, healthy Catholic backgrounds is just one of the indications that there's so much vibrancy in the faith here. The faith is still part of a living culture here. For it to be something that could transform America and make this the launching pad for the new evangelization across the world. 
So whether you're battling consumerism, battling sexual license, somehow trying successfully in a way that hasn't yet been done to marry democracy and the gospel, marry capitalism and the gospel. If you can make it work here, you could be the model for a new Christendom throughout the whole world. So I've been trying to indicate in that is since my, I am an American citizen, but I'm also coming to America from outside. I see an importance in your context um, even more, I think, than an American living here might. I think it's really your moment in history. Okay, a fourth of my four, five points tonight, the parish. So who is it that's supposed to do the new evangelization? Well, yes, you do get um, groups of experts. You, know, you get groups like Focus on the campuses, um, fantastic groups, cutting edge, trained, specific. But the main place for the new evangelization is supposed to be the parish. It's supposed to be an ordinary, continual thing permeating everything in the church's life. So to quote Pope Francis on this very point, he says, the parish is not an outdated institution because it possesses, he says, great flexibility. He says what should be happening is that in all its activities, all its activities, the church, the parish rather, encourage and train its members to be evangelizers in the parish setting. He says, we must admit though, that the call to review and renew our parishes has not yet sufficed to bring it nearer to the people, to make them environments completely mission oriented. That the parish he argues in, Evan in Evangelii Gaudium needs to be transformed with a mission focus in all of its activities. So that missionary work isn't for experts, but missionary work is for ordinary parishioners in ordinary parishes. And that means it needs, in a sense, ordinary, dare I say, pastors ready to make that transformation happen. As I'm sure in your pastoral theology, you talk about that in more programmatic measures. What I'm wanting in the next couple of days for us to reflect on together is some things within yourself to be working on so that you spiritually are formed to be ready for that task. Okay, a couple more thoughts generally about what does evangelization mean? And in particular, the new evangelization. Um, and at the risk of repeating to you things, I'm sure you've heard in other forums, but so what is the new evangelization? Well, we're told it has three principal settings. So in your parish, three principal settings that firstly to inflame those already active in the faith, 
So those that are already there every Sunday, even already there every weekday, but they need to be inflamed. That's your first of the principal settings for the new evangelization. Secondly, to bring the lapsed and the nominally baptized, to bring them to conversion and active faith. Those who kind of on a list would categorize somehow as already Catholic, they need to be brought to living faith. And then the third of the principal settings, to bring those who do not know Christ Jesus or who have always rejected him, to bring them to know and love him. So the new evangelization has a broad range of different settings. And everything the church, everything the parish does has to be configured for that goal. So Pope Francis says it has to change everything. Our customs, our ways of doing things, our times, our schedules, our language, our structures, everything in the parish has to be reconfigured with evangelization as its goal. And you as a priest have to also be inwardly reconfigured to be focused on that goal. Okay, a last kind of practical thing on what is evangelization in this context. Um, so Pope Francis talks about it being like introducing a friend. So when you're introducing somebody, one friend to another, you take someone who doesn't know someone and bring them to someone they don't know, but that you know both of them. When you introduce Christ to someone else, that's the same basic structure. You are making an encounter possible. So the Instrumentum Laboris of the Synod of Bishops on Evangelization in 2012 phrases it this way. It says, the goal of all evangelization is to create the possibility for this encounter. That meeting, that introduction, how does that happen? You need events in your parish life that are making that encounter possible. So Pope Francis, who talks a lot about encounter, um, he talks in Evangelii Gaudium, he says how joy fills the hearts and lives of those who encounter Jesus. This needs to be what our parishes are like, places that people encounter Jesus. He notes in the Gospel, the apostles never forgot the moment when Jesus touched their hearts. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. So John 1, 39, he notes the exact hour. He can, you know, how many decades later he was writing his Gospel, he could remember the hour when he met the Lord Jesus. To meet the Lord Jesus was a profound encounter. And many of us in our lives, as well as what we need to be making possible in our parishes, to make that possibility of encounter something our parish activity enables.
Okay, so where's all that heading? Well, my last point, you the seminarian, you need to form yourself to be a man who's fit for that mission. So let me close with three questions for you to take away with. Um, one very simply is, is where does the new evangelization already sit within you? That are you wearily, despairingly, cynically committed to a priesthood of maintenance and decline? Or are you what the church is calling you to be, aiming to be a priest of the new evangelization? Encounter that you are called, to use the Pope Francis terminology, to help others encounter the Lord. Well, how does your personal spirituality, how does that fit with the whole thing of encounter? Maybe how fully have you encountered him yourself? If you're going to be making that introduction, that needs to be something we're comfortable with. And are you ready for the task? Or willing, ready to be willing to conform yourself to be ready for the task. Okay, in summary, so what have I said tonight? Um, well, I said tonight I'm trying to set the scene, an introduction for the talks coming in the next few days. I started with talking about the state of the world saying, where are we? Well, it could be that we're living through the great apostasy before the second coming, and therefore the new evangelization is some kind of last harvesting of the remnant before he comes. Or, and I see more signs of this, we are living in what will be difficult, but there are nonetheless signs of it happening. The beginning of a new dawn, the laying the foundation of a new Christendom. I said, we exist to evangelize. This is our purpose. I was trying to argue to you from the semi-outsider's perspective that America is uniquely poised for this task. Pointed out that parishes, according to the church's documents, the parishes are to be the prime focus for this work of evangelization, the new evangelization and that you as a seminarian need to be forming yourself spiritually to be ready for that task.